Welcome to the Advanced Persistent Security Podcast, where we discuss the world of IT and cybersecurity. Don't be left in the dark about what is going on in the world around you. Here is your host, Joe Gray. How's it going? Welcome to This Week in Security. This week, we will be discussing cybersecurity in the automobile industry to include Volkswagen, Tesla, Chrysler, Fiat, etc., We'll discuss a cybersecurity training game from the United Kingdom. Malware infection in the Trump Hotel Company. And finally, cyber attack on Experian that affected 15 million T-Mobile users. To kick it off, we're going to start talking about the automobile industry. Obviously, there have been some cybersecurity blunders in the recent past, namely Tesla, Chrysler, etc., Now everything in the news is Volkswagen. Not really for the same reason, but they're connected. It all deals with software. Just to provide a point of reference, there are approximately 100 million lines of code in a car. In comparison, Facebook has 50 million lines of code, and look how big it is. But nonetheless, What was determined via a study at West Virginia University is that the software within Volkswagen's diesel cars made between 2008 and 2015 allowed the car to effectively, quote-unquote, defeat emissions. This created a worldwide problem, angered those who are pro-environment and those that would like to see emissions low, It angered those who felt that Volkswagen had betrayed them, and then obviously the federal government had to step in at some point. So we can get back to some actual attacks as well. To start out, there have been some attacks that aren't specific to anything. They have been mostly software-related problems, and they've had recalls because of safety concerns, and automakers have paid millions of dollars. Fast forward to DEFCON 23, Tesla was hacked. It was demonstrated that someone hacked a Tesla Model S. By the time it was presented, the vulnerability had already been patched over the air, so there was no threat to the common public. Not that the common public can necessarily own a Tesla Model S, but nonetheless. In order to do it, it made it kind of difficult. They had to tear the car apart and find an Ethernet port that allowed them to connect into the bus. From there... They had full network access. They just had to exploit a few vulnerabilities to gain access to the infotainment systems and the touchscreen. From that point, they could do things like make the speedometer disappear, alter suspension, unlock doors, open the trunk, change the windows, and turn the car off. That's pretty scary, but the good benefit about it is if you have to tear the car apart to do it, chances are... You're not going to get it put back together and be driving down the road and your passengers start this attack. That is fortunate. With regards to Chrysler, you're not quite as fortunate. All it takes is someone being able to identify your car's IP address. And from there, they can enter your car using the entertainment system called Uconnect. It has a cellular cellular connection and anyone can gain access anywhere in the country. When the proof of concept was put together for Black Hat, which occurs across the street from DEFCON at the same time, they were in St. Louis, Missouri, and they did it about 10 miles away wirelessly. 
They did all sorts of things to the test subject, such as messing with his braking, shifting, steering, air conditioning, radio, windshield wipers, etc. So basically, everything was tied into the entertainment system. It was on the same bus, and they exploited the vulnerability that actually tied everything into the navigation system and had all sorts of fun about it. The problem with this is Chrysler ended up recalling 1.4 million vehicles, but it had been ignored for nine months, according to Computer World. The only way to fix the vulnerability used to exploit Uconnect and its cellular connection is via a USB thumb drive where you download the software, physically put it on a thumb drive, physically take it to your vehicle and load it. The other is you take the vehicle to a dealer. In regards to Volkswagen, though, the EPA told reporters that Volkswagen could be fined at $37,500 per vehicle, essentially the cost of the vehicle. So it could be a penalty of up to $18 billion, not even including anything to do with class action lawsuits, civil penalties, or anything else. What makes it worse is there is a letter from Volkswagen parts supplier Bosch that warned Volkswagen to to not use the software. And then in 2011, a technician raised concerns about the illegal practices with the emission levels, but apparently no one seemed to care. This is prompting a lot of security researchers, professors, and other parties to push for opening the source code of automobiles using something like the customized Ubuntu package that Tesla uses or just to allow someone outside the automobile industry to actually review the code. Some people are calling for a system similar to that of the FAA where neutral parties have to review the code before it happens. And ultimately, because of the lobbying leverage that the automobile industry has, they've been able to leverage the Digital Millennium Copyright Act of 1998 so that no one could actually look at the code and they cited safety as a reason to do so. They don't want people hacking cars. Well, the thing is, especially with hackers, the more you tell them they can't do it, the more they're going to try to do it. And now that it's becoming so public and cars are becoming so technologically advanced, the attack surface is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. As more people are driving quote-unquote connected cars, there are more opportunities for malicious hackers to hijack the cars and honestly do it for their own gain. I mean, think about the multiple points of entry you could use to get into a car using hacking methods. You could use Bluetooth. You could use wireless. A lot of cars have hotspots or OnStar. You could even get in using the tire pressure monitoring system, Ethernet. They did it with Tesla. USB, forged keys, smartphones. Some people are able to start their cars with their smartphones. There are other applications you can use to do it. There's navigation systems. Either way, they are more functionality oriented. And that does create very nice selling points. But the problem is if they don't take security seriously and start to let someone outside the automobile industry take a look at the code, review the code, test the code, and fix the problem then more people are going to get killed. It could kill drivers, it could kill passengers and other people on the road. I would not be surprised if there were not malware pushed to cell phones that would act 
absolutely be undetectable on a cell phone because it does absolutely nothing. It's just a file sitting there. Then when the vehicle connects to the phone via Bluetooth, boom, it takes over the car. It would be, I mean, if I were in the ransomware industry, this would be a great source of revenue. I put malware on your phone, I get malware in your car, and I can basically hold it hostage for whatever dollar amount I want. And the thing is, with regards to ransomware, when you're talking about a computer, some people can survive without a computer. Most people can. Significantly fewer can survive without their car. And now it appears as if the federal government is trying to work up some sort of legislation. It's not there yet. We as consumers need to make our points known to manufacturers and to lobby for some sort of automobile cybersecurity reform. Not necessarily to the level of, say, NIST and FISMA, but something. I will say this. Tesla seems to be doing it right. The company does seem more technology-oriented than most. I mean, its sister company is SpaceX, and Elon Musk did found PayPal with five other people. They've adapted that version of Ubuntu that I referred to. It does have open source code on it, and it does. they do solicit input from security researchers. Hopefully, 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 more manufacturers will implement this system and start to use it, or just use bounty hunts. I mean, you can always go to BugCrowd or BugHunter or, or websites like that, review the code they release, and determine what happens. Determine how to fix it. I don't expect General Motors, BMW, Ford, Nissan, Infiniti to be expert coders and elite hackers. I expect them to make exceptional cars. But when cars are being designed and sold with the amount of technology they do today, they should identify their gap in knowledge, skills, and ability, and they should react to it, and they should correct the problem accordingly. It doesn't appear as if this is happening. Fortunately, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration said privacy and cybersecurity should be high priorities for them and the automobile industry. Hopefully, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration will gain enough traction and momentum and enforce this so that the trend ultimately will stop. The trend of poor cybersecurity in cars. And at that point, we will set the stage and it will replicate worldwide. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and discuss cybersecurity training software in the United Kingdom. Are you looking for a place to advertise to the unique audience of IT security professionals and enthusiasts? Look no further. Advanced Persistent Security is seeking sponsors. This slot could be yours. Contact sales at advancedpersistentsecurity.net for more information. Thank you for hanging out through the break. Now we're going to talk about a cybersecurity gaming tool called Cyphinx. Basically, it's created by the government of the United Kingdom. It targets a younger audience to get them into cybersecurity. This is in response to a study from ISC Squared, the governing body of CISSP, that estimated there's going to be a skills shortage of 1.5 million people by the year 2020. This acts as a gateway to a host of other games, each of which tests security-related skills at various levels. This was created by Cybersecurity Challenge UK, and it was, like I said, developed in response to the ISC Squared study, and it's a massive multiplayer online game. 
It's a great idea. We have to do something to get younger individuals interested in cybersecurity. Some are already interested in hacking and penetration testing, but either way, we need to do more. Having a STEM curriculum and encouraging computer science and IT majors, that's great, but that doesn't mean they're going to go into cybersecurity. Some of the sponsors of this game include PricewaterhouseCoopers, GCHQ, BAE Systems, Airbus, the National Crime Agency, and SANS Institute. Anyone who is interested in cybersecurity may want to give it a try. It could attract a completely different audience by making it a video game. Every area in the game contains a new opportunity to test a different skill. It's available 24-7, 365. And if you want more information, you can find a link to their website on our blog at advancedpersistentsecurity.net slash dash cyber dash security dash gaming cyfinks is spelled c as in charlie y as in yankee p as in papa h as in hotel i as in india n as in november and x as in x-ray go to our blog and take a look at it we're going to take another quick break i know we sound lazy today but the next topic is going to be a rather hot topic. We're going to talk about Donald Trump's Trump hotel chains getting infected with malware leading to a pretty nasty data breach. So sit tight and we will be right back. Are you subscribed to this podcast? If not, please do so on iTunes and at advancedpersistentsecurity.net slash podcast. Thanks for sticking around. Now we will discuss... Donald Trump's hotels infected with malware. If you have signed into any social media, turned on any news, heard any conversation about the 2016 election or anything, you've probably heard something one way, positive, negative, or even neutral about Donald Trump. Everything seems to have been going his way until September 30th. The Trump Hotel Collection released a legal statement sometime throughout the day yesterday stating that several of their hotels in New York, Honolulu, Chicago, Toronto, and Las Vegas had become victims of a credit card skimming malware attack that had ran for over a year undetected. In fact, it was exactly one year and two weeks. According to CNN Money, it seems as if When customers or hotel employees typed in payment information, the software quietly grabbed it in the background. But the company is not sure if the hackers managed to pull out the data from the computer system. It's currently under an investigation. They haven't identified how they got the malware there or anything specific about the malware aside from what it did. It is applicable for customers that used credit or debit cards to make purchases between May 19th, 2014 and June 2nd, 2015. We believe that the malware may have affected payment card data, including payment card account number, expiration date, and security code. An official statement from Trump Hotel Collection says that 
it confirms a report in July by Brian Krebs that several luxury hotel properties tied to the real estate executive and now Republican presidential candidate appear to be the victim of a breach. We're going to follow this a little bit closer. There's not a whole lot of information out about it yet. Per International Business Times, Trump Hotels is offering customers a one-year credit monitoring package for free. Keep in mind that this was not just Trump's hotels. This comes just days after hotel chain Hilton said that it was also investigating whether it had a point-of-sale malware attack. They've not really confirmed a breach, but they are strongly committed to protecting their customers' credit card information, Hilton said in a statement. So stay tuned as more details come out about this. We will provide them. We do intend on doing a follow-up for this story. We just have to wait for details. We're going to take our final break, and we're going to come back and talk about the Experian cyber attack that impacted 15 million T-Mobile users and people who applied for T-Mobile service and had a credit check. So sit tight. We'll be right back. Don't forget to check out our blog at advancedpersistentsecurity.net slash blog. Follow us on Twitter at ADV Persistent SEC and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com Advanced Persistent Security. Thanks for hanging around through the break. We're going to finish this off discussing the next massive data breach, and that is Experian. Experian is one of the big three credit monitoring services. In this case, it wasn't the credit reporting bureau itself. It was the credit check aspect of it. This apparently has soured the relationship between them and T-Mobile as they stole personal data of 15 million T-Mobile customers and people who applied for accounts through T-Mobile and had to have a credit check ranging from September 1st, 2013 to September 16th, 2015. In Experian's statement to Forbes, they state that they that hackers obtained access to an Experian server, but it is not part of the Consumer Credit Bureau. The information accessed includes name, address, social security number, dates of birth, driver's license number, and passport IDs. This isn't the first time something's happened to Experian. In 2012, a scammer was able to obtain fraudulent access to the database and then offered it for sale on an underground fraud site. That access was terminated at the end of 2012, but it was treated as a breach and led to a lot of ongoing lawsuits against the agency. So what this tells me is Experian does not take security seriously. They didn't then. They might take it a little bit more seriously now, but they are still not where they need to be. They do not have the organization culture that is required for this. So the only things we really know at this time is that there's really no hints about who did it other than it's an unauthorized party. They don't know who the criminals behind it are, but there's no evidence the data has been used inappropriately and experience working with law enforcement. They said the data was encrypted, but it may have been compromised. So keep following the blog. We will follow up on this. I do want to give you an absolute worst case scenario for someone. So imagine someone with a security clearance working for the Department of Energy 
with their security clearance records stored with the Office of Personnel Management that has Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance through Excellus that uses or used Ashley Madison, has a T-Mobile phone or has applied for one, and stayed in a Trump hotel. Think of how doomed you could be. I think that would probably be the absolute worst. But in all seriousness, this attack makes me cringe. I seriously question how organizations can operate without having the proper security controls in place. If I worked somewhere as a security professional and we didn't have the proper measures in place, I would not be able to sleep at night. They should probably take a listen to this podcast and the SANS Top 20 series through Advanced Persistent Security Podcasts as well. What seems to be a positive from this is T-Mobile's CEO is being very proactive and very vocal on Twitter about it. His statement to the Wall Street Journal says that we will institute a thorough review of our relationship with Experian. Meanwhile, any T-Mobile customer or applicant can get two years of free credit monitoring services from Experian itself. T-Mobile said the data was stored by Experian and was required by law to be held for a minimum of 25 months. He sent this out in an initial tweet, and then from there he followed up some other tweets, some of which sympathizing with customers and others vowing to be in the process of finding a solution. Just keep in mind this is the next attack in a long line of serious data breaches. Think of some of the others that we have covered. You can review all of these on advancedpersistentsecurity.net slash blog. They are the OPM data breach, Department of Energy cyber attacks, Ashley Madison, the follow-up to Ashley Madison, Trump's hotels, and Excellus Blue, Sh- and Excellus Blue Cross Blue Shield. If you think your data may have been compromised in this or any other breach, you can check out haveibeenpwned.com. All you have to do is enter your email address and it will tell you if your email address is posted on any leaks. There's a link to this on this blog post, so go and take a look at it. It's worthwhile. Sit tight for one more second. I'm going to step away for a moment. I'm going to come back, deliver an announcement some great news and then we'll close out this podcast sit tight so the great announcement if you heard this in the sans top 20 podcast last week i apologize but advanced persistent security is pleased to announce that we are offering training for phishing awareness for employees furthermore we are offering security policy services for review, revision, and drafting of policies, vulnerability management services, security implementation services, and the Security Awareness Newsletter. The Security Awareness Newsletter is a monthly subscription service at a rate of $40 per month if you choose month to month or $300 per year where we either send you the materials or allow you to download the materials from our website to include a security awareness poster to put around your organization for the month and tidbits that you can email your employees to keep them aware of whatever topic. Some of the topics we are including are phishing, personally identifiable information, e-commerce, passwords, and smartphones. Furthermore, 
If you enjoy this podcast, love us on iTunes and give us a five-star rating to let us know we are doing a good job. If you have any feedback, email podcast at advancedpersistentsecurity.net. If you are interested in any of the services or products we offer, please email sales at advancedpersistentsecurity.net. That's all I've got for this week. Let's close it out, and I will see you again on Thursday, resuming the SANS Top 20. We will be covering security skills assessment and training, secure configuration for network devices such as firewalls, routers, and switches, limitation and control of network ports, protocols, and services, and controlled use of administrator privileges. I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to the Advanced Persistent Security Podcast. Until next time, stay secure and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast.